Romans chapter 8, verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives us life. He gives us new life. And with that new life, we can live out the righteous principle of each of the commandments. So today we're going to be looking at the uh, third commandment and uh, the principle that's revealed in the third commandment. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And it says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I'm going to read that one more time if you don't mind. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So why is God so adamant about us not using his, or using his name improperly? Why is he so adamant about us misusing his name? Here's one reason why. God reveals himself through his name. The character of God is communicated through his name. You've probably heard someone say this before, uh, that person doesn't have a good name in the community. And what are we saying? We're saying this, that person does not possess a quality of character, or, or maybe this person has a bad reputation in the community. They don't, they don't have a good name. So throughout Scripture, the name of God is synonymous with the person of God. Even think about this, in the Lord's Prayer, when, when Jesus is uh, teaching the disciples how to pray, how we ought to pray, first thing he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. When, when God says his name is holy, what does he mean? It's, it's separate. It's distinct. It's, it's distinct from every other name on the earth. And in some recent years, there's been some conversation especially among Christians, about the name of God. You know, which Hebrew name should we refer to God as? And by the way, just God is good, okay? okay just, you just have to say God, that's it. It's, it's all right. But some people get into the weeds on some of this stuff. They want to, I'm going to address God, I want to address him by his Hebrew name. I want to be as correct as possible. The most used Hebrew name for, for God, translated throughout the scripture nearly 7,000 times, is Yahweh. And even to this day, devout Jews won't spell out the letters to the word Yahweh. They'll only use the consonants. Now, <clears throat> originally, the Hebrew language didn't have any vowels. It was only consonants. But later, as, as vowels were added, they would leave out the vowels. So when you find a, a, someone who is a, uh, a Jew writing uh, God's name or a Messianic uh, Christian, uh, they'll often use these four letters, and you may have seen this before, Y-H-W-H. And before the birth of Christ, Jews were doing this. Jews were already commuting the name of God through these four letters, YHWH, because it was the name of God is considered sacred. And they don't want to be, they don't want to be guilty of mishandling, misusing, misquoting, misinterpreting, misleading people according to God's name. So they wanted to be sacred. And the reason some people say God's name is Jehovah because we also hear that name often used, and I've even used it myself. But actually, Jehovah is a translation error uh, committed by Roman Catholic scholars during the Middle Ages who mistook four, those four Hebrew letters as J-H-V-H. And that's why it's translated Jehovah. You say, which is right? Well, they're both the same, okay? But one is a mistranslation. 
but they mean the same thing. So if you want to be technically correct, it's Yahweh, which means this. He is, he was, and will always be. He is, he was, and will always be. He is the God who created existence itself. When God sent Moses to the Israelites in Egypt, this is what God said, Exodus 3.14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am, and he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. That's exactly what he's saying. He is, he was, and he will always be. So God is telling Moses, I am the God who created existence. I'm sending you to the children of That's When they say, which gods, which of the gods sent you, tell them that one, the God, the God who created all existence. In 594 BC, excuse me, Israel came under uh, Babylonian occupation, and, and many of its leaders and its people of influence were taken captive to Babylon. And it, God allowed this to take place for this reason. The Babylonians were allowed to overrun Israel and take them captive because they profaned God's name. Israel profaned the name of God, not by misusing God's word, but by their lifestyles. Israel slowly allowed idolatry to creep into their nation. They were warned many times not to worship the gods of Canaan, not to worship, bow down to the idols of Canaan. And yet, when they moved into the land, uh, they allowed the world to come into uh, to Israel, and they began to bow down and worship idols, just as the nations around them. See, God placed his name on the children of Israel. And so they were separate and distinct from all other nations. God said, I, I'm calling you out of the nations. You are a people for myself, and I'm, you are separate and distinct. You are holy. And what happened was Israel slowly just oozed or crept back into the world, became like the world who surrounded them. So Israel could not be distinguished from the other people of the world, the other nations around them. Think about this by today's standard. If we identify as a Christian, we are bearing the name of Christ Jesus. And like Israel, we can misrepresent Jesus and become guilty of profaning his name. I mean, think about this. If you don't, if you don't believe the name of Jesus is held in high regard or standard, then obviously we don't recognize what Scripture says. Philippians 2.9 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, on those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. The, the name of Jesus has been exalted. <clears throat> it is the name above all names. So the most common way we profane the name of Jesus is by identifying ourselves as being Christian, as being Christ-like, and yet we don't live like Jesus. Listen to what God says through the prophet Ezekiel concerning uh, the, the Israelites profaning his name amongst the nations. And this is something we can look at as believers with the name of Christ upon us. Ezekiel 36, verse 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanliness of a woman and her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land, and for their idols which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations wherever they went, they profaned my holy name, 
when they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I have concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned amongst the nations where they sit, wherever they went. <clears throat> Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not take this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, <clears throat> which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed or holy in, in your eyes or in you before their eyes. So likewise in Christ, we have a responsibility not to profane the name of Jesus. You know, we can't say that we're Christians and then not live like Christians because in doing so, we're profaning his name. The word profane means this, to treat as something common, to treat as a common thing. In fact, the word profanity comes from the root word profane. So Israel treated the name of the Lord, treating the Lord himself as a common thing. They profaned his name by living like the nations that he called them out from and not to live like. So they were bearing the name of the Lord and they were profaning his name because they were not distinguished from other people. So church, we bear the name of Jesus. And, and to, to go on top of that, not only do we bear the name of Jesus just in title, if we're born again, the Spirit of God dwells in us. You carry in you the Spirit of the Lord. There is a greater responsibility under grace of representing the name of the Lord to a world that is lost and dying and said, the last thing this world needs to see are people calling themselves Christians and living like hell. We're not calling for perfection. That's impossible. But grace doesn't give us the opportunity to sin like we want and still go to heaven. That's not the opportunity of grace. Grace, listen, grace is that opportunity God gives us to live the, the right life, the right way. And it's not by works. We can't do it ourselves. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. So we see people in our lives and they see us not, or when people see us in our lives, are they seeing us reverencing the name of the Lord? Or are we profaning the name of the Lord? Let's look back again at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now the Bible says we ought not to take or carry uh, the name of the Lord in a vain fashion. So I believe the principle we're seeing here that we'll see revealed through this commandment, <clears throat> and remember, there, there sometimes are several principles that we can see in each of these commandments, but the one I'm going to kind of focus on here this morning is humility. We'll see humility is being expressed throughout this commandment. See, to call ourselves Christians and to follow Jesus will require humility. All right, you, Jesus made this very cl clear. If we're going to follow him, that we have to die to self, we have to carry our cross and follow him. It requires, that's a, a humbling action. So to call ourselves to follow Jesus requires humility. Look, James 4, 6, but he gives more grace, therefore, he says. God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. Uh, unless we approach Jesus with humility, we're going to be still guilty of our sin. How could God show us grace if we're full of pride and arrogance? Vanity. God resists pride. He resists arrogance. He resists vanity. But what does he do with those who are humble? He gives them grace. Under grace, we are not permitted to be irreverent in regards to the name of the Lord. 
It's just the opposite. Jesus didn't come to abolish the commandments. Remember, he said that he came to fulfill the commandments. And under grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can live out the righteousness of each commandment. So again, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So how can we, how, how, what are some ways that we take the name of the Lord in vain? I'm going to give you three, <clears throat> and I'm, there's many more, but I'm just going to focus on three. Prayer. Prayer is a way that we can take the name of the Lord in vain. Here's what I mean by that. When Israel entered the promised land, they were entering a land where the people would call upon the name of the idols. And when we pray, we cannot use the name of the Lord in a vain way, just as the children of Israel did when they entered the land of Canaan, and those people called on their gods almost in a magical incantation. They, they used the name of their gods in a mystical way. In our prayer times, we have to have reverence for God's name, not use his name in vain as the pagans did. Here's a great example. Sometimes there's some, there's some really interesting stories in the Bible, and this is one of them I, I kind of like. I just kind of chuckle. Uh, but anyways, this is a, a great example of why you probably shouldn't take the name of the Lord in vain in the New Testament. And this is a great example. Uh, Acts 19, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, a chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Right then, you know you're in trouble. <clears throat> the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That's what you, wounded, that's what you get right there. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on all them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So these people were trying to use the name of the Lord in a magical sense, and it didn't turn out well for them. And it never turns out for, well for anyone if you're trying to use the name of Jesus in a magical sense. So the name of Jesus is powerful, but it's not magical, but it should be handled reverently. So if we pray selfishly or pridefully, we are praying in a vain manner. James 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, but you may spend it on your pleasures. That word amiss is pretty interesting. <clears throat> I believe it's only used a couple times in the New Testament, but it literally means it can make you sick. If I, if I give you what you wanted, it would just make you sick. You don't know what you're asking for. See, sometimes we pray in that manner. We want something, but we pray amiss because it's the way we want things rather than the way God sees that it should play out. So we misuse the name of Jesus when we pray for our benefit, for our own will. We, we pray selfishly, self-centered. And we cannot use the name of Jesus when we pray in a vain way for what we want, what we desire. But there are some very practical principles. If you want a successful prayer life, Humility involves humility in your prayers. You say, well, <clears throat> I get down on my knees and I pray. But you can see, listen, you can have a physical posture of hum being humble, but still be arrogant in your heart. In an arrogant way in prayer towards the Lord, it, it's, it's just like noise to him. But there are times we can even pray 
the right words. We can pray, pray biblical words and ask for those things in the wrong way and, and make a miss. So just because you pray God's word doesn't mean you're asking on point, so to speak. So there are some examples here. I think the greatest example of prayer we ought to, we, any of us as believers should, should adopt is, is given to us by Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew 26. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. If this possible, let this cup pass from me. And here are the words. Church, here are the words that we should utter, not just say in a magical sense, but mean from our hearts. Not as I will, but as you will. We should honestly pray those words each time, meaning those words from our heart, knowing that God's will must prevail even when it conflicts with our will, our desires. Now, sometimes we know this, and we try to leave this out of our prayer time, right? Because we think this, we're giving God an out. But I'm going to tell you this, it's going to be his way whether you like it or not, okay? So just submit, just, just humble yourself, trust the Lord. There are just times, have, have you ever been in that position where you're praying and you know you ought to say, I, I, this is what I hope, this is what I want, this is what I wish. I even think this is biblical, but, well, amen. I'm not going to say the rest. <laughs> you can't, just go ahead and say it, but not as I will, Lord, but as you will. Your will be accomplished, your will be done but we, we think we give him an out, right? So we cannot use the name of Jesus like some incantation where we say his name, we get what we want. And you'd be surprised how popular that preaching and teaching is throughout the body of Christ. His will must prevail over ours. And when we submit to that, we humble ourselves, we receive that, we trust him. That's a, hu- a humble position. Humility is the position God desires. And he will reject pride, vanity, and arrogance every time. Another way we can take the Lord's name in vain is through prophecy. I'll give you a couple examples here in Scripture. Jeremiah 23, 25. I've heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. Ezekiel twenty two twenty eight. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. We have people in the church today who prophesy vainly in the name of Jesus. Do we believe in prophecy? Absolutely. It's, it's a spiritual gift. It's the, the spiritual gift we ought to desire, it says, in the, the list of spiritual gifts. But it must operate biblically, not selfishly. See, we have people that will say, thus saith the Lord, when it's, it's not the Lord saying it. It's this person's opinion or desires. And believe it or not, sometimes that person can prophesy in a way that lines up with Scripture. But just because they prophesy in a way that lines up with Scripture doesn't mean it's the Lord speaking. Sometimes it's just what people want. How many times have you prayed Scripture on something you want and only later to say, thank God, God didn't give me what I wanted, even when I tried to use his word as in a way to kind of justify my stance? Pray the word of God and, and being a little upset or frustrated, why didn't this happen the way I, pr- I prayed Scripture on to see from the, this point of view that, oh, thank God, God didn't do that the way I wanted him to do it. But sometimes people take this a step further into prophecy. And that's why we need discernment. In the case of personal prophecy, 
which is one of those areas that we should be really focused on and, and judge. And that word judge may seem harsh to some of us, but you should judge prophecy 100%. Uh, in the case of personal prophecy, if someone comes up to you, and I'm sorry, if they're all flowery and use uh, elusive imagery, <clears throat> just say, shut up. Just, just what, what, if you have a word for the Lord, share it with me. So that way I can judge it. I can, I can consider it in Scripture. I can consider it to what the Lord is saying to me already. Paul, and a lot of times with personal prophecy, that's the way it is. It just gets fiery and crazy. You know, give you a great example in Scripture. Paul, Paul received a personal prophecy in Scripture, warning him about what would lay ahead of him if he went to Jerusalem. And you'll remember this in Acts chapter 21. Look at this, verse 10. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. <laughs> There's no mistake who this is, okay? Bound his hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, that's pretty direct, isn't it? There's, no, there's nothing flowery there. He just took the man's belt and said, hey, I'm not going to say the man's name, but this guy who owns this belt after he took it off his waist. And we know this in regards, he's direct in personal prophecy and what he said came to pass. And here's what Paul already knew. Paul already knew that was going to come to pass. It was just confirmation. So a true, if a prophet is true, if they have a message from the Lord, they will welcome judgment. Here's why they'll welcome judgment, because the Bible says that we should judge what's being prophesied. And so if you have a person who's a true prophet, and they're given a message, or someone operating in a spiritual gift of prophecy, they will welcome biblical discernment. If you have a prophet who says they refuse to be judged or what they're saying should be not ju be judged, you run from that person and do not accept anything. Jeremiah 14, 14, And the Lord said to me, Prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, <clears throat> in the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not sin, and who say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, those who prophets shall be consumed. And it was during this time when, when God had uh, raised up uh, Jeremiah, warning Israel about what to, was, was to come. There was, there was judgment coming upon the land because they, they had refused to repent. Prophet after prophet, they refused to listen to. God sent them one after the other, killing them, whatever, persecuting them, refusing to hear them. And so the prophets that heard Jeremiah would raise up and say, what he's prophesying is incorrect. God's not going to judge us. God's not going to do this or that. And then God speaks through Jeremiah and says, not only is this going to happen, but the prophets who prophesy this way by sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. <clears throat> so think about this. What is God saying to those who take his name in vain? Again, it's reflected in the commandment. Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So God will hold those who are accountable who misuse his name. So God's name is his representation of who he is. Remember, the name of God and the person of God are synonymous. If we misuse the name of the Lord, we are misrepresenting the Lord himself. We are dishonoring him directly 
because his name and his person are synonymous with each other. The name of God or the name of Jesus is so misused today. And we as a church just idly allow it to be profaned. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen this with my own eyes or I've heard stories or messages <clears throat> where someone in the church gets upset about something and they begin to operate in the gift of prophecy. They begin to chastise the church or chastise this person or that person. And in the next sense, they experience nothing but trouble because they use the Lord, the name of the Lord, in a vain way. Scripture warns us not to misuse the name of the Lord or in a vain manner because there are consequences. Another way we can use the name of the Lord in vain is through proclamation. We can take the name of the Lord and use it in vain the way we communicate it or say it. Again, Leviticus 19.12, And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Leviticus, Leviticus 21.6, They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. You know, we misuse the name of the Lord so commonly, so flippantly, it's become of, of Christi mainstream Christianity. And this is where I'm going to challenge some of you. One Bible commentator said this about the following. We use his name, God or Jesus, in a vain way when we express surprise. When I heard that, I instantly thought of OMG. How many of us just say, oh my God, so flippantly, so irreverently. See, the name of the Lord should be used with reverence. Most of the time when we say, oh my God, we're not saying it reverently. We're saying it with surprise. Why do we think it's okay to, to use the name of God in vain, without any reverence? And we can't say, well, under grace we can just do it. So under grace you can commit adultery then, and under grace you, you can kill people, commit murder. That, that, idea, that doesn't work, see? Well, there's certain ones we can abide by, but not other ones. We don't have to. Why don't we just rip the Bible in half and say, off of this part, we'll take this part. We'll take with the parts that we agree with, but we'll, we'll throw out the ones we don't like. See, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? Why would any of us Christians use God's name so flippantly in conversation without any reverence? The Jews to this day, and I'm not saying they're right. We don't need to become Jews. We don't need to, to, to convert or anything like that. But they still won't use the name of God flippantly in conversations. But even to this day, Jews reverence the name of the Lord. They don't even write his name. They just give you the letters that represent his name. Why? They don't want to be guilty of mishandling, misusing, taking the Lord's name in vain. And I'm not trying to put us under the law and trying to make our relationship with Jesus more difficult. Just, to, just the, I want us to reverence the Lord. When you reverence his name, you reverence the Lord. When you reverence the Lord, you reverence his name. They're synonymous with each other. They're inseparable. When we use terms like, oh my God, aren't we just saying like, laugh out loud, LOL? I believe one of the most appalling misuses of God's name is when we use it in profanity. I don't think we understand why we can dishonor the Lord's name and think it's okay under grace. I had two pastor friends, true story. <clears throat> they had an interesting interaction. I'm going to tell you what happened. I do not suggest that any of us handle it this way, okay? But it was, it's quite entertaining. So one of my pastor friends, and I, and I worked with this guy, he was a youth pastor, uh, and the other guy was a youth pastor at the time. Um, 
we, we served a ministry together. We even took a trip out uh, to Tommy Barnett's pastor's church in Phoenix one year. All went together. And, and one of the pastors always say, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just about everything. And the other guy would just get mad. Like, he can't say that. He can't just flippantly use that. He can't say that. So this, this and they're good friends. But he, they know there has to be a conversation, but they won't have a conversation. So the other guy, the other guy just starts cussing, just goes into a line of cussing. And Jimmy's like, you can't do that. What do you think you're doing? He goes, you do it every time you say, oh my God, what's the difference? Profane and profanity, same root word. If you use the Lord's name in vain, you profane it. It's the same thing. I don't agree with the method, but he was correct. Absolutely correct. Then you hear certain people say, well, they're, they're, they're cuss words that are cuss words only because society deems them as cuss words. And I get that, but I'm going to give you a distinction because there is a distinction between profanity and cussing. The F word is profane. You are taking something God created and you are profaning it. It is the very definition of profanity. Okay, so the F word, I'm just going to say right off the bat, is profanity. You are profaning something God has created. You're misusing it. You're treating it as a common thing. Now, as, as many as scriptures are, there are about profaning the name of the Lord, taking his name in vain. Thank God there are great ways to use the name of the Lord. <clears throat> I'm just going to give you a few here. Psalms 44, 8, in God we boast all day long. Instead of profaning his name, let's boast, amen? Boast all day long and praise your name forever. And it says, see, let's think about that. Psalm 66, 2, honor the Lord, or excuse me, sing out the honor of his name, make his praise glorious. Psalms 104, enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We can bless his name rather than curse his name or use his name in vain. That's the best way we can use his name is in prayer and praise. Church, don't use his name flippantly. As a common thing, you're profaning his name. Let's honor his name. Let's worship his name. Let's lift up his name. Let's not misrepresent his name to other people. Take time to bless the Lord. Honor the Lord. Worship the Lord. Lift up his name. Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God says he will hold us accountable if we treat his name in a vain fashion. Now, hearing that, some of you can have a very sobering thought right now, thinking, man, how many times have I misused his name? Remember, the commandments were given to us as a list of do's and don'ts that make it more difficult for us to draw near to God. It's just the opposite. God gave us the commandments with grace in mind so we could draw near to him. There might be a reason why prayer and why worship seems so standoffish or why there's a wall if you don't have reverence for the Lord or his name. Let me ask you this. If someone comes to you and they speak uh, vainly, arrogantly, how well does that conversation go for you? Why do you think it's any different with God? Why is there a wall between me and God? Why, why why do I, maybe we just don't reverence him or his name. Remember, the, 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 the commandments aren't given to us as do's and don'ts. 
they're a way to draw closer to him through grace. God gives grace to the humble. See, God did not give Israel the law as a means of salvation. That's, that's something I've heard people say, and it's, it's not quite right. God did not give the law to the Jews for them to earn their salvation. Paul says this, that in the New Testament, it's impossible to earn your salvation through the law. He knew that. The law was his tutor. It reveals the righteousness of God. It shows us that we need a Savior. But grace has always been God's mean of salvation. I'll remind you this, the Mosaic Covenant was predated by the Abrahamic Covenant. It's always by grace through faith. So when we look at the commandments, don't look at it as a way you're trying to earn something. You, you can't. There are principles God has given us to draw closer to him. And I can tell you, if you reverence his name, if you reverence him, if you're humble, what does the Bible promise us then? Grace. God gives grace to the humble. So God isn't giving us grace to profane his name. He's given us grace to humble ourselves and draw closer to him. So the commandments are principles we observe under grace to draw closer to God. If you've broken a commandment or two, you don't run away and disgust. Don't, don't hide failure. Come to God humbly. Present yourself to him. He gives grace to the humble. So remember, the, the commandments reveal the nature of God, the character of God. And th clearly throughout this, this commandment, we see that his name should be reverence. And then the, our reaction to that is humility. So I want to close with this reminder. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Because God accepts a sinner who will humble themselves. But he will reject vanity and arrogance and pride every time. 